A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Peace to the planet, Charlemagne the God here, and you don't want to miss Hello Somebody with Senator Nina Turner on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I love Hello Somebody simply because I love Nina Turner. She's fearless. I'm Nina Turner, hell-raising humanitarian, sister in the struggle, and recovering elected official. Listen to Hello Somebody every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. The Black Effect Presents features honest conversations and exclusive interviews. A space for artists, everyday people, and listeners to amplify, elevate, and empower black voices with great conversations. Make sure to listen to the Black Effect Presents podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories. I say that all the time, every episode, and start writing your own. You have to understand it's about you. It's about your efforts, about your planning. And people always talk about the gifts and purpose. I always tell people, if you have a gift, lead with it. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. On my show, I interview celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is a graduate of an HBCU, Howard University, Leonard Robertson. 
He's an actor, writer, stand-up comedian, and has a degree in management information system. Boy, you can be employed anywhere in this world with a degree like that. This year, Leonard is currently appearing on the fifth and final season of HBC, excuse, HBO's Insecure, where he's reprising his very popular character. The Emmy-winning HBO comedy series Insecure airs every Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central. We'll be talking about Leonard's career, pursuing acting, writing, and stand-up. Leonard is a company member of the Groundlings, Fame Sketch Comedy, and Improv Troupe, and also as a cast member on MTV from my boy Nick Cannon's Wild and Out. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation from Howard University to Hollywood, Leonard Robinson. How you doing, sir? How you doing, brother? Good to meet you. Well, you're up from Connecticut, and then you, that's where that's where it all started, right? Yeah, um, originally I'm from Danbury, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Spent a little time in Tokyo and uh, went to Howard and really kind of found myself and found my place and purpose over at Howard University and and then moved to New York, came to Los Angeles, and and now I'm here. Well, you know, Leonard, I got to slow you down. See, you just ran through your whole life, man. Mm-hmm. And your life is really interesting. You got judo in your background. You got wrestling in your yeah. background. You didn't want to get into that whole aspect until you got to college. So slow it down, yeah. you know, because that's what this show is all about. Because your, your, your resume proves to me that people expect certain people to do certain things when they are heading that direction. And you altered mm-hmm. that direction. Why did you alter the direction? Well, you know, growing up in a small town like Danbury, uh, there wasn't a lot of outlets for people who want to act and be creative mm-hmm. in that space. And also I had parents who, you know, where, where that, that was unfamiliar to them. So it's hard to encourage your, your children to do something you're unfamiliar with. Right. And so I, I dabbled in it as much as I could in um, in Danbury, but uh, I actually got into you know very active in sports, very active in, in wrestling and judo, and and for a time you know that was that was my focus. Uh, but when I went to Howard, uh, I you know I wrestled for a very brief time at Howard. Um, when I got to Howard, also you know majored in business, so you know it's it's years and years of not necessarily pursuing my passion and what I wanted to do. However, I think all those things I did in between are are the reason why I'm able to keep doing what I do now or reason why they, you know, that makes me successful. You know, the discipline and, and focus I learned uh, training uh, for wrestling and judo is the same kind of discipline and focus that I bring into acting and entertainment. Well, you know, not everybody who wrestles can act. You know, just like everybody yeah. who rap can sing. So you just talented, my brother. Let's go on. We can throw that focus in there, Leonard, but you got talent. Okay, let's go. On. I appreciate that. Let's go. Let's go. On. I like to separate people and give them credit because a lot of people want to just slide that. Well, you know, he's focused. You know, well, he can mm-hmm. run for a touchdown. No, no. That guy who ran for that touchdown, that's his skill. That's his That's his blessing. That's that's what enables mm-hmm. him to be great. And in, in reading your, your resume and your bio, you know, like my degree was in mathematics. My minor mm-hmm. was in sociology and I went to work for mm-hmm. IBM and everybody thought I was going to, you know, live a life. I thought I was going to live a life as a career, mm-hmm. as an IBM executive. And, but mm-hmm. then I realized that wasn't me. It was realized that, you know, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't creative enough for me. Mm-hmm. I think that was my turning point. I realized that I was going to be boxed in one day and I was not going to be happy with my life. Was, mm-hmm. did you, did, was that a similar tone with you? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, my father worked for IBM over 23 years and, uh, you know, that's why we spent a little time in Tokyo was transferred into mm-hmm. transferred to Tokyo for three and a half years. So it was, it's in my, it was in my blood just to, 
you know, be familiar with computers and, and business. <laughs> yes. So, you know, my undergrad was in management information systems. Um, I ended up programming and, and doing um, systems administration work out of college for a little bit. And the story I always tell is I had switched to a small boutique consulting firm and I was doing a lot of back end programming, you mm-hmm. know, making websites basically is the short of it. You know, all the all the engine that runs a website that you don't see. And working long, long hours, you know, an average was 14 hours a day. And there was one day when uh, our project had stopped and we we're waiting for another project and I had, we had nothing to do for weeks. And I was literally banging my head on the desk saying, what am I doing here? This is not where I'm supposed to be. Mm. What do I need to do? And about the fourth bang, I just popped up. I was like, I can quit. <laughs> and it's such a simple thing right but you know for a lot of people you get put on a program you get on a put in uh, on a path and you think well this is what i'm supposed to do you know i was uh, i went to howard university i studied business you know i, I pledged omega sci-fi mm-hmm. became the boss of our chapter mm-hmm. uh, i served uh on the undergraduate supreme council like i was very uh, everything i was doing was related to business it was right. it was about you know organization and leadership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was something I had an aptitude for, but I didn't have a passion for. So even, even throughout all that, I was always, you know, in addition to, you know, the funny guy, you know, cracking mm-hmm. jokes in the office, right. or I would uh, take acting classes uh, and, you know, after work, I'd go take an acting class. Mm-hmm. And that's where I felt more alive. That's where I felt more in line. But I had already invested so much time into doing something else. I didn't think that there was an Absolutely. alternative I, I, until I, I decided to make that choice yeah. and mm-hmm. say, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to make this choice today. And I'm going to, you know, I'd rather put in 18, 14 hours for myself right. and figure this out mm-hmm. than put in another 14, 18 hours for some other company to, you know, to make them successful. You know, it's really interesting because when I was reading your bio, because a lot of your qualities were similar to mine. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I, I looked at management information system as an option, you know, as a degree option that eventually just wound up in mathematics. Well, I went through civil engineering, then chemical engineering, then I wound up in mathematics and minored out in sociology. But, you know, when you're doing these things, man, as an African-American, you know, you're just trying to get out. You're trying to just build mm-hmm. your brain. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to fit in the white community as well because you're mm-hmm. trying to get that nice house, that nice car, and this is the way mm-hmm. you've been told you can get there. And so when you start altering that, like you said early in the interview, a lot of people don't understand, Leonard, that, okay, you know, what a stand-up comedy does to make money. They understand what mm-hmm. an engineer does. They understand yeah. what a bank teller does. But when, yeah. I, when I told my family and friends I was going to leave to pursue a career as a stand-up comedian, I couldn't even tell them how I was going to make money, okay? But I knew that's <laughs> what I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, Leonard. Uh-huh. You, know, you, you just know that's what you want to do. You're going to throw mm-hmm. – you have a plan of action. You have a passion that you're driven to. But then again, you know, we're talking about insecure, but you've been on NCIS, NCIS, you know, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You've been on Young Shelton. So your resume is not just tied to – the interview that yeah. I'm bringing you on the show about, that success allows you to go back to your family, your friends, really understood why you made that decision. How did mm-hmm. that, how did it look at you now? Well, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, for years, my mother would always say something like, well, you know, you can, when times got, when times got hard and I would tell her like, you know, it's, it's a little rough out here right now. <laughs> yeah. She would always say, you know, you can go back to grad school. And I was like, 
for what? <laughs> like, and it would just be years and years of that. And, uh-huh. but now, you know, people, you know, I think Jay-Z said something like, uh, when you first come in a game, they try to play you. Yes. Then you drop a couple of hits. <laughs> look how they wave to you. Absolutely. Right. That's kind of where it is right now. Like now it's, you know, there's no way I could go get a job in mm-hmm. anybody's corporation doing it work mm-hmm. i've been out the business i've been out that business too long right i have no idea what how they do things um you know today it's it's something that i would you know maybe have a 30 minute conversation with somebody about i'm like oh that's interesting cool right right and then go about go about my business right um so yeah i mean it, it, when you when you make when you do things that seem impossible or try to do things that seem impossible to people the first instinct i think is to call them crazy and that's what I experienced, you know, when Ooh. I quit my job and I left. A lot of people called well, me crazy. Well, well, a lot of people might have and, thought you crazy when you played Jamaica Sapphire. You know, a lot of people thought I, <laughs> I was crazy, you know, because yeah. they were going, why, why, why? What was the rationale yep. behind that? But I would tell you this, it changed my life. You know, I'm going to get to be just honest mm-hmm. conversation. I was just flowing through college with no direction. Uh, Leonard and 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 I just I, I saw a goal. I saw I, I needed a goal. Mm-hmm. I needed a platform where I could um, start start moving my life forward. And when I pledged yeah. Omega Sci Fi, it moved my life forward and it got me into the community. And it changed my whole perspective and the values I have by pledging the fraternity. That's why I always recommend people whatever fraternity you pledge, whatever sorority you pledge, it can be a blessing if you understand why you did it. Why did you yeah. pledge fraternity? And that ter- fraternity of choice was uh, Omega Sci Fi. Well, I, I, I come from a long line of, of black Greeks. You know, my, uh-huh. my great grandmother, uh-huh. um, Jesse Hathcock, founded a chapter in, in, in Dayton, Ohio. She has a building named after her at, at University of Dayton. So there's a long history of AKAs on that side of the family. My, uh-huh. my father was a Kappa. My, my, my uncle is, a, is an Omega from Fisk. And um, I, that was just kind of not really a question for me. <laughs> now, to be honest, as a kid, I saw I always saw my uncle's brand right, on, right, uh, right, on right. his arm. And I just I was just like, yeah, I want to get one of those. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> so your dad uh, didn't have the diamond? He didn't have the diamond? No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, had, had my dad been branded, I might have been a Kappa. I don't know. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, you, uh, you were right. You were some- right. You weren't right. <laughs> but look, there was something about about uh, the Omegas that, you know, my first week on campus, I went to a I went to a Omega party at Alpha Chapter uh-huh. at, at at our at the frat house. And I stayed all night. I partied like I was one of the bros. <laughs> right. And I said, I don't know what this is, but I need to be part of this. <laughs> and then as you know, you do more research, yes. and you get more into it. You're like, oh, well, this is way more in line with. You know what I think my values are, what right. I think my principles are, and so I'm going to strive to that. And and some of my best friends, you know, still to this day, you know, are from that era. My line brothers and and other frat brothers, and and just to side on, you know, my path into entertainment. You know, mm-hmm. I credit one of my chapter brothers, uh, Buddy Lewis, um, eighty four Alpha chapter. Not nobody. For yeah, well, you know, Buddy. Then Buddy, mm-hmm. Buddy, when I was in undergrad, um, kind of set me up. And gave me my game plan mm-hmm. because I came out to Los Angeles uh, to visit uh, this conclave mm-hmm. and stayed with him for a day. And he took me around and showed me how, you know, what his life was like as a stand up. And when I went back to Howard, I still had about a year and a half left, but I knew I wanted to be an actor. And he's the he was the only person I knew in that was in the entertainment business. And he gave me basically the foundation um, 
that I needed to, to, to create my own blueprint on how to proceed. And without his mentorship early on, um, I don't, I, you know, I probably still, I probably would be an actor today. Yeah, buddy, I definitely know buddy. Uh, my L.A. Day Times, the L.A. Times is, I remember I first met him when he was doing warm-up on the Steve Harvey sitcom mm. Uh, mm-hmm. that was on the WB. That's when I first met buddy and we became friends as well as lifelong fraternity brothers. That's the most amazing part of that relationship. We will be right back with more money-making conversation with Rashawn McDonald. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Or treat them to everyone's favorite activewear from top brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Now let's return to Money Making Conversation with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversation with Rashawn McDonald. When I think about what you're doing, you know, I, I thought about when I was looking at your resume, and I just saw stand-up comedian, and I realized mm-hmm. was in 1992, I did Def Comedy Jam. I did oh, well. Dave Chappelle, Ari Spears, and of course it was hosted by Martin Lawrence. And there were there were when I when we went on stage and when I went on stage, I didn't have any restrictions in my my mindset, you know. And I and I see how stand up has been shaped by culture, and some of it's right. Some of we should be much more sensitive about how we what we say and the ramifications of how people perceive it, because people can take what you say and shape it to their own personal narrative. How as a as as a as a as a working and acting stand up comedian, how has that affected you as far as stand up, or maybe maybe not, has affected you as a stand up? Um, you know, it really hasn't affected me that much because most of my comedy is, is very personal. It's it's really just I'm really just talking about me and things that affect me. I, I think that I think that oftentimes we can as stand-ups want to step into somebody else's conversation right? because we see something that's funny or we see an angle, but you know, you don't need to pick up every, every fight, every conversation, you know, you can just let, let somebody else carry that. Right. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, I don't, 
Well, you know, I don't want to get into, uh, you know, being a comedy police or, or whatever, but just just know that sometimes you can talk about some topics and some areas that affect other people deeply mm-hmm. and it's not your fight. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, some, I, I'm not even guiding you into this conversation, learning about uh, being a comedy police. It is about uh, certain things of having a certain amount of freedom that I had in 92 that today mm-hmm. I would have to think about. Is that joke? Is that joke worth it? Is that joke worth the uh, yeah. the the, uh, the consequences that might come out of it? You know, and uh, and, and and so now you know we we see us impacting various comics over the last five to ten years who have been who have done jokes in that nature that have affected their careers as well as mm-hmm. how people perceive them as a talent moving forward. And my whole thing it didn't affect me because like you, I was always talking about my lifestyle, my journey, my personal. Mm-hmm. I never went into social areas of concern and natures like that but it is different though but doing stand-up comedy is different today would you would you would you agree well i outside of just stand-up i mean the world is different right now you know mm-hmm. people are becoming more educated and and more informed on a lot more issues than they had to be in the past right and with that requires a certain amount of growth on your part as the artist and new creative to understand where the world is right now, the temperature of the world and decide, are you going to grow with it? Or are you going to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to stay right here and keep saying these things. You know, you see it politically, uh, you know, the last couple of years, the whole America first, bring back, bring back the good old days. Right. It's like, well, when you say things like that, well, good for who? Right. You know, um, because the, the words that you're using don't sound like it's going to be good for me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about this whole world we live in is that, you know, there are opportunities to come into your life that make a game-changing role play in your life. And I'm going to say mm-hmm. that's insecure, Leonard. Uh, mm-hmm. your, your, your appearance on it, because you did Wild and Out, and I want to talk about that with Nick mm-hmm. Cannon, because Nick Cannon is a very good friend of mine as well but but insecure is a is a groundbreaking series you know yeah it, it airs on hbo uh, i saw the i saw the new season that aired uh last night let me just say last night the first of the fifth and final season how did you get cast on that and how did the opportunity come your way as far as an audition well i was really fortunate in in that respect and then i, I started auditioning way back in the you know at the pilot level Mm-hmm. And um, I had auditioned uh, and tested uh, for the pilot, and then that didn't work out. And then they brought me back in for another role when the when the show got picked up, and that didn't work out. And they brought me back in for uh, about two or three more roles after that before I landed the role of Torian Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I really credit Issa Rae and Prentice um, for just having the. Um, determination, I want to say, on their part to, to work me into the show some kind of way. You know, I, often as actors, we always say, like, you know, don't worry about trying to book the job, try to work the, you know, book the room you right. know, so that they know who you are and they'll find something for you or, you know, just do your best. But I, I think in short, it's, you know, what is for you is for you. Right. And you don't have to worry about anything else other than that. Well, you know, you know what makes that show work for me is that, and I think that's why, you know, they kept bringing you back. You know, they said, well, well, he doesn't fit this character. We'd be like, like shoving him into a role that really doesn't blend. Because the characters make sense on that show. You know, when you look at mm-hmm. that person, eh, that, that person should be that person. You know, yep. and so your character was the same way. It's a character that made sense for that whole thing. And so when you got the opportunity to get on the set and started 
seeing people react to your character, what was the biggest thing that you felt excited about and being, um, you know, featured on Insecure and then being recognized as a talent that's also building the cachet of Insecure? Yeah, I mean, I, I came on season three. Yes. And, uh, you know, waiting for the reaction. And um, I'm just glad, you know, the way I, the way I feel about it is, you know, these roles, whatever you take on, try to do your best just to play it to the to the best of your ability. And then the audience reaction is whatever. People can feel any kind of way about whatever the character is. As long as you feel something, I'm, I'm happy. So I don't mind if it's polarizing for some people. But it just, you know, as long as I'm part of the conversation, <laughs> I'm glad. But outside of that, I'm just, you know, and I've, I've said this many, many times, I'm just blessed and, and feel fortunate to be included in this world and this universe because this show is so game changing and impactful for so many different reasons, um, largely off the screen. Um, and it's just to be a part of that thing, that movement. Right. It, 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 I feel blessed. Like they, they, they've launched the careers of so many different people behind the camera. And that's just going to further, you know, they planted these seeds all, all across the industry right now. And just it's, it's going to take a little bit more time. But a lot of them have already started to grow and reap. But, you know, five, 10 years, even 15 years from now, when you see all these executives and producers and directors and they talk about how they got their start a lot of them it's, it's going to come back to insecure absolutely and, you know, and that's a beautiful thing you know that they that when they had a show they did just didn't keep it to themselves absolutely they opened the door for as many people as they could and and not only let them in but gave them the room to learn and gave them the opportunity to thrive you know, really interesting. And, and, and just to bring it back to Nick Cannon, you know, I, there's a lot of parallels between that and, and what he does and Absolutely. what he's been doing. So, Well, you know, I was going to go to a couple of things that I can't do that you do very well. That's improv and act. I can't act. I'm very, <laughs> I was amazingly funny on stage. You know, I, I noticed in your bio, you, you're a writer. I was a sitcom writer, mm-hmm. very successful as a sitcom writer. But the whole aspect of improving, which Steve Harvey, who I managed, was a brilliant improv person. And what, what separates the improvisational side, Leonard Robinson, from the acting side? Um, you know, they're closely related. I think, you know, the, the improv aspect of it, I do a lot of improv shows at the Groundlings Theater in, in Los Angeles and did a lot of improv before that. Um, you know, improv, it's just on the fly. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to make these scenes happen, you know, uh, based off a suggestion. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and hope it all works out. So it's a little bit more like, you know, acting on the edge of a cliff, I want to say, than, right. than but, just being on a, on, on a set with a script. Yeah, I, I, I admire that. And then you was on the early years of Wilding Out. You know, which is mm-hmm. the ultimate, which also is a groundbreaking show as well. Yeah. You, you know, so yeah. you have to feel blessed about your life. You know, wilding out. I, I feel is the the way we have, we have to say it's the longest running black improvisational show in television history. I think we could say that. Yeah. And then uh, the groundbreaking uh, HBO series Insecure, uh, mm-hmm. telling the life of two African American female as they interact between life social dynamics, which is groundbreaking mm-hmm. as well. So you've you've had a fortunate career so far, and with that being said, the whole. How did it, being in the early years of the of the of Wilding Out to what mm-hmm. it's become now? Talk about that transition and watching that brand grow out because you're part of two huge brands in your resume. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really blessed. Uh, I, you know, it's like the, you, you, you've seen the internet meme, I'm sure like, you know, how it started versus how it's going, Yeah, you know, uh, for me, it's like wild and out. It's like how it started insecure is now how it's going. And I, you know, I, I have a lot of love and respect, you know, for Nick and, and that show and everybody involved in it, because that was for the most part. Yeah. That was my biggest job that really kind of put me in in Hollywood when I hadn't been in LA maybe but six months right. when I got cast on that show mm-hmm. and you know before that <clears throat> excuse me before that I was just focused on honing my craft I was just staying in acting classes taking a lot of improv classes and performing and and doing as much stand-up as I could and I wasn't even really aggressively trying to get on television I was just kind of building up my skills because when I, when an opportunity came around, I wanted to be ready for it. And that opportunity came around. So yeah, being part of the original cast, the first four seasons of Wild and Out was a, was a real big experience and a, and a big lesson for me. Well, the interesting thing about it is that uh, one thing we do share in common is the writing aspect. You know, you were mm-hmm. part of the CBS Diversity Sketch Comedy Showcase, and you were mm-hmm. in the first writer's room. Why writing? You know, why that why that's, that, that goes back to that logic, I think, that's in your life, that focus that's in your life, that being able to understand two plus two is four. Is that what, mm-hmm. what, that what excites you about the writing aspect, the sitcom writing, especially the comedic side of it? You know, what's funny is... Again, and it probably all leads back to Buddy Lewis again, because when I went, when I met him in Los Angeles, he uh-huh. was writing. Absolutely. He was also doing stand up, mm-hmm. but he was also writing. And I mm-hmm. had that little seed in my, in my brain. And, and then somebody else said something about writing and being an actor, like you're going to have to write, learn how to write if you really want to show people what you can do. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's one of those things where you, if you, I try to follow up on if the universe, you know, if you see or hear things three times from three right. different places, mm-hmm. you know, the universe is trying to tell you to tap into that. And so for me, the, the writing is, is a way to make sure that I always have an option on uh, bringing my voice and, and point of view to the world. With my friend. And without that, I'm reliant on somebody else to try uh-huh. and create something for me. Well, so do. I do a great bill. I do a great deal of acting. I do a great deal of, of, of work. That's largely mostly what I do. In between, I'm writing. In between, I'm 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 writing and preparing for the next thing. Um, I'm just fortunate that I keep getting interrupted by a bunch of acting jobs. So you know, the world's got to wait a little bit longer to see a little well, well, bit more. Well, right? Don't, don't use the word interrupted. That's a, that's a blessing. Though. That's a, that's a, that's a, don't get right. You want them? You want them off the bookies? We don't call them interrupted. We call them bookies. You know, it's the, it's the, you know, that's that old famous cry. You know, you sit around the house and then one day you get that phone call. You get three dates as a stand up <laughs> on the same date. And you go, hey, well, where were these? Yeah. Why can they be separated yeah. week by week by week, or month by month by month? Exactly. But, the, but you know, man. I, I'm happy you came on my show, Ben, because I wanted to hear your story, and 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 I, I consider some things that you've done a younger version of me, and you're doing great, and uh, mm-hmm. you're a graduate of Howard, a pledge to make a sci-fi, just a value system that comes with pledge in the fraternity, the sorority is what I push, and the fact you're mm-hmm. starring on the final season of Insecure, keep winning, man. I I, I will I always be a fan that. of yours, man. If you ever want me to promote, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, so no, you got a frat brother. I know Buddy Lewis. If you call Buddy Lewis right now, he say nothing but positive things about our relationship. So when you come through you through Atlanta, Georgia, make sure you stop in. Now come by my office and we'll we'll break bread together, okay? 
Oh, no problem. I, I appreciate it, and I, and I will follow up on that. Oh no, I know you will. I, I got. I know you will. And guess what? I'm, I'm. I aim to please my young frat brother. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate you. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, Leonard Robinson. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. If you want to hear any of my interviews or see any of my interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. We will be right back with more Money Making Conversation with Rashawn McDonald. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you got to be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations with your daily Minute of Inspiration. TV and film actor, writer, director Alan Maldonado was my guest on the show this week talking about his booming career, being an entrepreneur and finding the balance. God has given me everything I wanted. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is what you've been asking for for years. Now go do something with it. Um, So just the balance between rest and relaxation has been the biggest uh, challenge and the biggest thing that I know is important. Uh, I burned myself out. I'm not going to lie. You know, so after the quarantine, I really made it my business to make sure I have the proper balance between working and working extremely hard as I do and then finding time to get those breaks. If you want to listen to this full interview with Alan Maldonado, it's available on MoneyMakingConversation.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversation with Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is Kelvin Truitt. Truitt is a barber to the stars. You hear me? an interior designer, creative director, and a host of a very popular open mic for expiring and established artists in Hollywood. 
Hollywood. <laughs> Kelvin's clients have included, I'm talking from the hair standpoint, because I can't talk. Back in the day, I used to have a barber like Kelvin, you know, but I've lost all that hair, so I just talk to my barber all the time now. Common's one of the clients, Sugar Ray Leonard, Wayne Brady, David Oyelowo, uh, Kirk Franklin, the Golden State Warrior. Woo! Golden State Warrior. Amber Riley from Glee, from Glee Dwayne Brown at Offensive Tackle, Seattle. Big old boy sitting in that chair. And comedian Karen Hart. To its first Friday's monthly open mic night, artists have included Jordan Sparks, Common, Elvana, Kenny Lattimore, Gary Brewer, D1 and El Jabarge, and my girl Yvonne Orgy from Insecure. Kevin fell in love with country music. And I'm going to tell you, see, that's the whole thing. He, he in California now. See, one thing I ever understand that California, he talking about country western music. I'm from Houston, Texas, so. We're going to talk about that now. In college, doing his long drive to visit his family. As a strong spiritual leader in his community, he aims to use his unique sound and approach to heal and empower others, because he's an entrepreneur too, as he shares his own life struggles and transitions. He's got a reason to sing, y'all, and he's on Money Making Conversation to tell us about it. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, Kelvin Truitt. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing wonderful, man. Thank you so much for having me and to the audience of Money Making Conversations, man. It's great to be here. Well, first of all, you know, uh, Kelvin, you're an entrepreneur, to my understanding. Couldn't have my little backstory. My little, my younger brother, he spent time in the military. He lives in Washington, D.C. He has four barber and beauty salons in the D.C. area. So wow. and when COVID hit, man, whoo, you know, brother, you know, all I could do was pray for him. You know, and then he had to set up all these separation curtains and plastics in his business and had to wait to get permission because because that type of business was hit the hardest because you had such a close relationship with your client. Tell us about you in the beauty and barber business. Tell us about that transition that hit your business so hard. When I say transition, we're talking about COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us about this. Walk us back to that a few few months back. Yeah. So, um. Uh, at that at that point of time, I was in the uh, in the management and ownership uh, position in mm-hmm. my company. So um, I had it I had it made in terms of what most uh, barber entrepreneurs want, which is that the shops are running themselves. Yes, the sir. barbers are thriving. The clients are happy. Um, and when pandemic hit, I was told we have to shut down indefinitely and that um, we had to stay six feet apart. As you know, it's impossible to cut someone's hair from six feet away. And what that did, it put me in a unique position because um, my finances was affected. My passive income, I was used to going to the shops and picking up the booth rent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it presented a moral challenge for me. Do I still charge people booth rent for a booth that they cannot use? Right. And in my case, the answer was no. I didn't feel like it was right. Um, And it cost me a lot of money. It cost me to shut down a few locations. It cost me to reconsider how I showed up in the industry at all because um, I felt their pain. I was I stood behind a chair for 19 years myself. Mm-hmm. And to, um, to have to pay for a chair that you can't use due to pandemic and to be charged for it, to me, it just was, like I said, morally uh, not right to collect from something that I knew couldn't be used. So after a few months of that, like I'm collecting zero, but uh, the landlords at the properties, they still needed to collect everything. And so it affected my pockets uh, and it affected me mentally, too, because what I once was, um, I wasn't that anymore. Right. You know, 
And yeah, so it was a, a difficult challenge. And, you know, I, I definitely salute your brother who and many others in this industry that had to make those quick adjustments to continue to serve the public. And then it kept changing. You know what I'm saying? Right. So this week it was 25% capacity. Right. Next week it was, um, you have to have up all these partitions and, and separating devices and cleaning protocol that the owners had to spend money on, you know, mm-hmm. and that money just didn't appear. You know, a lot of people had to make sacrifices um, to get those things done in hopes of keeping their business running. And then the business, it, the laws are changed again. And right. it goes from 25% capacity to no indoor activity in shops around the nation. We're putting chairs on the, on the outside of their premises, but the barbershop culture I come from, man, people don't pay you to cut their hair outside. Right. You know, they pay for the comfort. They pay for the camaraderie. They pay for the air conditioning. Even the barbers, like how can I charge them money to cut outside? Right. They're not even using the electricity. So it was a very difficult transition, but uh, but we made it, you know? Absolutely. I'm talking to Kelvin Truitt, uh, celebrity barber to the stars, uh, entrepreneur, media host. You know, the, you know, the interesting thing about uh, being a barber, because, you know, I've lived that life. I can still remember my first haircut when my, my dad yeah. sat me down. I got an ivory lead. That's what I got. Cut all my hair off, you know, but you can just see a little hair left. That was my first first haircut. You got, got my little part right there. I was looking good. Got out that chair. Come on. You couldn't tell me nothing, Kevin. I had my little part. I wore that part probably all the way through middle school before I realized I was tired of that part in my hair. But, <laughs> but you know, the but really being a barber in general, because now you went to management, that had to be uh, that's a good for your career, but you still lost some of that camaraderie, that spotlight, that interaction. Talk about that transition because you know you can you can rise in success, but you can lose something socially as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so there's a scripture that come to mind. Um, like uh, my faith practice has been uh, Christian, and so I read the Bible, and, and Jesus talks about these parables, and one of them is in the vineyard, right, where the person who plants the vineyard doesn't actually work the vineyard. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You, you plant it and you leave space for others to come in and, and, and work, work and receive the benefits of the vineyard. And so when I really uh, understood that, it, it became the primary difference between being a business owner and being self-employed. Being self-employed meant that I worked in the vineyard. I owned it and I worked in it. Being a business owner meant that I planted the vineyard and I empower others to work and until the soil of that ground. So what it meant for me was another, it, was, it meant the level up for my, um, for my business pursuit, but it, it did cost me social capital. It cost relationships. It cost, you right. know, your client, you've been cutting for 10 years. Now it's calling on you and you are not available um, to do that part of what you do anymore, you know? And so it does cost you for, for me, there were friendships that were built over right. the cushion of the barber chair, you know? And so when I transitioned to no longer standing behind the chair, um, sometimes the, the friendship was injured. Um, and now I'm at a point where, uh, so I still cut hair on the side. I right. still serve um, the clients and, and now I'm doing music and I'm having to face that kind of intersection <laughs> where it's like, Hey, we love you. We especially love you cutting our hair, right? You know, and um, and it's it's hard sometimes. It takes a lot of bravery on my part and a lot of acceptance um, to just say I'm choosing to live the life I want to live. Um, that's uh, 
I can model that's important that. to you. That's important to you. It's important to me and, and your I think family that everybody needed too. Mm-hmm. You know, some Kelvin, I, I, you know, I'm gonna tell you something. The only time I cut hair, man, I was pleasing to make a sci-fi. And the big, <laughs> I'm telling you, something, man, the big brother came to me, man, and said, "Cut my hair." You know, brother, I'm gonna tell you something, man. My my hand was shaking so hard because you know that edge line. That that's the key to a great barber, man. That edge line, you know, that separates you, and that's that's where you that's where the game changes. I think when you start talking about good barbers and great barbers, is that is how you ed, they create those edge lines. What really makes a great barber? I guess I should ask you that, Kelvin, because you uh, you get a reputation, and then people go, man, he cuts because you, you there is a difference now. But I'm I'm gonna step back and just tell you about my bad experience. Didn't go well because I was, I was pledging and I was trying to cut a big brother who really didn't care anything about me. So I never was gonna win in the haircut business, and I should have been trying to cut his hair anyway. But he asked me to. But you are a great barber. What makes a great barber, and what makes it, what 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 are like three or two or three things that can really set you apart in that barber's chair? Okay, so um, for me, what makes a great barber is consistency. Mm-hmm. Can you do what I like every single time I come to see you? Right. Right. Uh, it, when each client feels that are you consistent, I think that's what makes a great barber. Mm-hmm. Um, a good barber is going to have the ability to to execute a haircut, and you go, "Oh, yo, they're good." Right. But great is like, yo, every single time I come to see Kelvin, and in my case, Jalan, it's consistently the same quality. Um, some tips that I feel like uh, set me apart is speed, right? Right. Um, I've worked in, uh, like you mentioned earlier, with high-profile clients in some of the biggest moments of their careers. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, I, I have 15 minutes to do what I do best. Yes. I don't have the luxury of the 45 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So to deliver my product consistently mm-hmm. in a short amount of time, I've really developed my speed to mm-hmm. where we do have an interaction. We do have... Um, a high quality uh, grooming experience. Right. And we also only have this short amount of time. So awesome, brother. Oh. What sets me apart for the rest is, mm-hmm. hey, if you got 20 minutes, man, we got an opportunity to do something really impactful. For me, it's been speed. Um, for others, it's how you um, may enhance a client's look. Um, I don't know who's cutting uh, Jalen Rose hair, but let me tell you, it was a clear difference on TV. Every day I watch ESPN, it was a clear difference when the barber changed because they enhance his look um, incredibly. That it that it bought uh, more. Yeah, the edge line's powerful, powerful, and 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 it's a different power than I felt before. You right, know right, I mean? right, so I think right. It was a changing of the of the guards, you know. And there's a lot of a lot of barbers I respect across the country that are doing that and bringing uh, their unique uh, abilities into the barbering industry to make it uh, one that's appreciated and valued. Oh, you know the thing about it, like I, you know, I was a stand up comedian, so I was traveling all over this country, you know. Pittsburgh, I got my hair cut in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, New York, Florida, Georgia, Milwaukee. All barbers are not created equal. I'm just telling y'all that right now. They're not created equal. Some of them talk too much. Some of them don't know how to give you an edge. Some of them don't don't know the different type of hairstyles and all that stuff. Now, the one thing I don't like is a barber that talks too much. I just want to get in that chair, Kelvin, get my hair cut. I don't mind a little chatter, a little chatter. But just, just gonna keep. And when I say talking to other people, people sitting in the chair, not showing me personal attention, that really is important when you sit in that chair because I know we're gonna talk about other things. But I, because you are a celebrity barber, you know, 
there are certain rules to being a great barber, and one of them is focused on the client. Focus on the client. Yes, sir. And 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 pretty much understanding what their unique needs are. So yes. in your case, you're like, hey, speed is a priority for me. Right. Um, I have clients um, that uh, that that's not the case where they do want the connection. This yes. is their one time, the one that, that, where they don't have a camera in their face. This is the one time that they get to connect with somebody and sit still without mm-hmm. doing what it is that they do. So it's important for me to not just come in and, and just get through the cut, but to give them uh, that personal connection, that brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. Um, I, I bring up my, my, I call him my brother, my friend, Common. Um, there's a lot of times, man, we break bread as friends mm-hmm. over the haircut. So uh, and then there's also times where it's like, hey, we got to get this cut done and get out of here or, or get him ready for for stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, my job is to come in and really evaluate and take his temperature on what his highest needs are that day. Wouldn't make sense for me to come in um, when he needs social encounter. Wouldn't make sense for me to come in and give him a quick cut or if he needs a quick cut for me to come in and tell him about uh, all of this stuff that I could wait for a later time. So understanding that and giving that consistent product, that consistent experience while giving the client what they need. But you're right. That talking too much stuff, um, is, <laughs> you know, Ooh, I, I, dude. I, I, I have my, my, my share. We're getting on my nerves. Shut shit. up, dude. Can you just well, shut like, up? Man, it's because you're a stand-up comedian for real. I have, I have some stand-up comedians that I've encountered that cut hair. It'd be like, no one signed up for the show. No one bought tickets, right. <laughs> but they do want a haircut. Absolutely. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Now let's turn, let's slide on over to the music, man. You know, because you, I, I love the fact that was the entrepreneurial side of you. But then let's go slide to the, the entertainment side because we also want to talk about the spiritual side of you because that all connects because of faith drives you and also can keep you focused. But the country music side of you, because whenever I hear country music, you know, I always hear about. I'm I'm from Houston, Texas, so I'm always a Texas, you know, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Georgia type country and western person but that's not how you fell in love with country western you way on the west coast fell in love with country and western talk about how that connection came about and how is it driving your success 
as an entertainer in 2021? Yes, sir. Uh, that's a great question. Loaded one as well. Um, I would drive um, from L.A. to Sacramento, which is probably about a six hour drive um, during my early years of college. I was the first uh, person in my family to attend a four year university and move away from home and do that. Congrats. But my roots came from home. Mm -hmm. um, I would drive home to see my parents. I would drive home to hang with my friends, to recharge because I was in a whole new city. And those drives got longer and longer. So I would, you know, go through the radio station and I found myself consistently on the country radio stations through these little kind of central California towns. And they mm -hmm. had some really good country stuff. And I found myself singing the songs, but I, you know, like you said, I'm from the West Coast, so I try to, hey, when I'm singing in the shower, I sing it with a little swag on it. You know, right, I sing right, it with, right. you know, uh, where the beat is a little bit more clear, and but the stories really impacted my life. Mm -hmm. it, it, I said, I want to have that type of impact because I was not, that's, I, I wanted to be, if I did anything in music, I wanted to be a rapper, right? Right. A lot mm -hmm. of people sing in the shower. Not, when I was a kid, I used to rap in the shower. I used mm -hmm. to do freestyle battles in Sacramento and at lunchtime, like, uh, you know, I was a punchline rapper. So um, if it can captivate a person like me um, with that music palette, with these stories, when I um, had this deep passion in my heart to do music through my life's uh, circumstances, you know, um, I went to a genre that had impacted me most. I've heard plenty of great rap albums. So right. many. Mm -hmm. uh, R&B is my jam. I can, uh, but it wasn't my life experience. So I wasn't connecting to the music I loved the most. I was drawn to the stuff that impacted me the most. And that was in the country genre, you know? So I'm doing it um, now. I'm doing it in a way that I wish I could have heard it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I you know, it, 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 just, you say this because I remember because Steve Harvey and I was doing radio in the, the, the beat, 92.3, back in 2000. Yeah. That's when we came on the air there. And at about that same time, that's when uh, Nelly popped out. You know, E.I., E.I., you know, and so I was, uh, I always felt he was a, a country artist, you know, mm -hmm. even though, but they just threw him in rap. And believe me, he made a lot of money as a rapper. Now he slid back to where I think his true roots are, country and, right. country music. And he's bringing a lot of people in that lane. And then uh, Nas X, you know, he, uh, he's doing his thing. And, uh, and but when, when you when you look at what you're trying to do as a, as a potential artist, you know, does the what Nelly do, has done and what you see in the transition, the acceptance of African-American talent in the genre of country Western, is it just the right time for you to step out there and do your music? Do you if you can feel comfortable that it's going to be accepted, not by just the black community or the young community, but the country and Western country music community, I should say. Yeah, for sure. And I'm so glad you brought up Nelly, man. I, I, I want to work with Nelly. Um, I look forward to collaborating with him. But he was one of the people that really made it cool to um, to just embrace what you like. With Absolutely. The country, country Grammar album, the way he sings, the way everything. And, and what he's doing now, he's bringing other artists on. Kane so Brown. A, yeah, Kane Brown. Come on, Kane killing right now, man. And then uh, Mickey Guyton, um, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, uh, Willie Jones Jr., the, these are all uh, black people, black faces that's doing the music in a way that's right for them. And so it opened up the door for me to be uh, just a little bit more bold about it and just say, hey, you know, um, I want to sing my song. You know, I want to I want to uh, do that. But I think Nelly is a gatekeeper for uh, black uh, country artists in general um, who want to do mainstream music in a um, in a in a way that's not traditionally done by black artists. So, man, 100 percent. Yes, I salute Nelly. 
Um, and you know, y'all, y'all look out for when me and Nelly uh, put this record together. It's going to well, be. Well, Kevin, I, I, I'm all good with you. Like I said, you know, my whole thing is that I just don't want to just be one or two. I want to be a, a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because it's always, yeah. you know, I go all the way back to Charlie Pride when the Charlie Pride was the Pride. only black man in country music. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like I said, when Nelly came out, you know, of course, these record labels, they'll just put you where they feel your sound fits. You know what I'm saying? So they put him over in the rapper. Nelly should have been country way back in 2001. Okay. His whole country ad, country grammar album should have been dropped as a country, a, a country music. music. And, and the industry is changing too, you know. But I think you're right. I think I think you're right because in today's industry, that country grab album probably would uh, would win album of the year every absolutely. year. Absolutely, absolutely. Guess what? Then he becomes a, even uh, international star. He's not labeled as a black artist. And guess what? He's starting to get that now because he's headlining tours with with mm-hmm. other artists. I think with Alabama, what's it? Florida, Alabama line. What's the them boys that they did that single with? They blew up. But they, it's really a, a, a great sound when I look at what you're trying to do. But what's the ultimate goal, man? You you know. You, you still in the entrepreneurial management business of these successful barbershops in California. Now you got this open mic, you know. So now you're not only, uh, you know. I think that that's why I was saying that you kind of miss that experience of being a barber in a barbershop, and that gets filled with your open mic because you really get to talk, gets to exchange your conversation, and also participate in a social environment where you're entertaining people. Tell us about that open mic that's in Los Angeles, and where is it located? Yeah. So uh, it's called uh, My First Fridays and it's in Lake Balboa, uh, California. It started actually started um, in the barbershop, in the flagship location of the barbershop where we would move the chairs out the way. Um, I I was playing uh, bass for a church at the time. So we had all my equipment in there and me and my band would get in there and artists would come. They jam out with us and that thing developed. So uh, First Fridays has been going on for now. Uh, It'll be 21 years in September. You know that we've been we've been doing that effort, um, but that social capital that you're talking about. I miss about. you, then, Kevin, because I was in L.A. Man, 21 years. I was in L.A. in 2000. Man, I was in L.A. since '95. How I miss yeah. you, Kelvin. 2004, man. We was we was right here in the valley, man. We was right here in the valley when it started, man. And uh, I, I I don't know, man. I'm so sorry. Uh, sorry, I miss you. I heard you on the radio. I used to hear you on the radio. Absolutely, um, man. Me and Steve, we were dominating, man. I don't know how I miss no, you, brother. Dominate. Oh, man, dominating and uh. And it was it was shifting uh, black culture. I remember uh, one of my primary goals was to get a hoodie award. Yeah. You know, at, <laughs> yeah. Valley, you know, but but the, the because I was looking towards um, towards black men, towards black male leadership, uh-huh. and Steve was doing it, recognizing mm-hmm. the uh, the unsung heroes. And mm-hmm. so that's what I felt like, and, and you know, I feel pride to cut people's hair and to send them into the uh, world on their platforms with, with, with my work, you know. They got, they got all this content, all this need for content now, Kelvin, out there. Why don't we see this on a special, on a HBO Max or Amazon Prime special this first Fridays? Yeah, let's, uh, let's produce it, you know. Um, it, there has been a few opportunities over the years mm-hmm. um, to do it. Um, one was, was, was bigger than, than most. And uh, it just the business didn't work out. Uh-huh. Um, but, but then I think it was year before last, Damon Dash did a show called The Next Big Thing. Right. And he came to L.A. They shot at my place. Wow. They shot where First Fridays takes place. They, mm-hmm. they utilize the platform. Um, so that was on, on BET. Um, Jonathan McReynolds and Molly Music. That's my boy. Just, mm-hmm. Molly Music, yeah. both of my boys. Yeah. So the Molly and Johnny tour, we were one of their virtual locations that was shot where we shoot First Fridays at. 
And Molly was one of the artists who would come and just sing at First Fridays. Mm-hmm. So he bring in, uh, you know, everybody kind of comes back. Um, a lot of us here in LA, we call that the home court. So we mm-hmm. want that home court advantage. Uh, we produce content from there. Kenny Lattimore during pandemic, uh, Major, um, who was who a, a artist as well, you know, charting songs, uh, film content there. Uh, last Christmas, or Christmas before last, Holly Berry came through the doors. Um, (laughs) and it was just like all of the work that we've done Mm -hmm. um, over these last 20 years have just been incredible and now I'm expanding that work in a new way to Mm -hmm. where I'm not just behind the production but I'm also behind the microphone sharing my stories of healing and um, you know and of triumph to to everywhere the reason I do music is the same reason I cut hair you know Um, I really want to touch the people that change the world and I know my music brings healing to little black boys who don't feel like they're enough. The rush well, that I well, what I, I like about your man is that they, you know they have multiple levels of of inter, inter, income, multiple levels of entertainment. I always tell people when you focus on one dream, you should have many layers in that dream. And I like that, and that's why I do money making conversations so people can tell their stories because people can just see you as the host of First Fridays. No, 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 he's more than that. They can just hear your whole conversation about doing country music, your one of your first loves. No, he's more than that. They can hear your story about you just being an entrepreneur. You know where you got these barber chains, and you once was a barber, and you started your first Fridays there 21 years ago. When you look at all these things, how do you compartmentalize being able to be successful in all these different lanes, plus your spirit and the ability to motivate people to be successful through who you are, Kelvin? Yeah, I, I try to I try to consolidate it all to uh, to service. You know, I think my greatest uh, calling is uh, has been to serve my fellow man in 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 this life. You know, since I was a little boy, you know. Uh, I used to, uh, I started my haircut business when I was like 10 years old. I used to cut lawns. I used to cut people's grass. Right. And I could hear my slogan was, if you can grow it, I can cut it. You know, <laughs> it's just something that felt, felt good to me to be able to, uh, to do something that, that people were either, they, that they were willing to pay me for, you know? And, um, the, the, the storylines of the guys I looked up to in my neighborhood, they were, they were getting killed. They were going to jail. And I had this, this skill to, to cut stuff and make it look good, you know? So in essence, it, it kind of put my life on a different path. And, um, and I keep sit, hearing that same message, that reverb uh, playing in my life, even through my music, through my ministry, through my service to, to the public. Um, so I kind of consolidated all to one thing is that, Hey, am I serving, Am I serving humanity in the best way that I can? And it, it you know, basically is God pleased with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And um, it does change from time. Sometimes it changes by the day. Right. Uh, I got to cut somebody's hair right after this interview, you know, uh-huh. and then I got to jump on another a call to promote the upcoming release of my of my music. And all of that, man, I believe is in service to my highest purpose, which is to, uh, you know, to, to help my fellow man and to receive that help and love and camaraderie that come when we when we just show up authentically and take up a lot of space. So I'm going to be big, you know, and I want to leave big impact along the way. Well, as we close, let's talk about the release of your music. Tell us where we can find it. Tell us the, uh, uh, the whole, are you shooting videos that each, each one of your releases, how you doing it so we can wrap it up on a high note about your brand. 
See, I love the, yeah. the whole concept of what you're trying to do, but it also is key that, you know, you keep doing First Fridays, you know, you keep cutting hair. You know, all uh, just I always tell people, I remember October 9th, 1991, I always, they mean something to me because I asked God, I said, allow me to take advantage of all my talents and I will give you 100%. Yes, sir. You know, I, seriously, I said, I will not sleep on it. I will not. If you, if you tell me the right, I'm going to give you 100% right. You tell me to manage somebody, I'm going to give 100% there. Wherever you put me, I'm going to give 100%. And a lot of people, they always say, man, you just love what you do. Because he gave me an opportunity to do it. And I told him, if he gave me an opportunity to do it, I'm going to give 100%. And so keep giving 100%. As we close, let's talk about that music that you give given 100% to. Yes, sir. So the upcoming release of my song uh, Opposite is happening on December 4th, um, which is, uh, you know, about six days from now. Um, it's a significant moment for me. It's also my 40th birthday. And I uh, I'm devoted for for uh, in my 40s, man, to, to show up in the world authentically. Um, I struggle with a lot of things. And my song Opposite is just like you um, is where I got before God. And I asked God to change me. And to give me strength to do the opposite of a destructive path that I was going to take myself on at the, uh, you know, on the heels of adversity. Um, you know, I bent and I almost folded, but God gave me strength to do the opposite. I want people to know that. Uh, so December 4th on all platforms, it is a music video as well <laughs> as a high quality, polished master copy of the recording. Um you know, vocally performed by me, uh, co-wrote the song with a uh, Grammy nominated uh, a singer and artist, my brother, Mr. Eric Bellinger. So we, we're putting all the momentum that we had around this. I'm going home to my hometown in Sacramento to do the release concert. So you'll see all over my social media, right. um, as well as other platforms. But December 4th is called Opposite Kelvin Truitt, available on all platforms, all streaming platforms, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. If, if, if they play music there, you'll be able to find me there, man. So I'm really happy to share this message with you guys. Kelvin Truitt, when I did his opening credit, I said he's a barber to the stars. He's an interior designer, creative director, host of a popular open mic for expiring and established stars called First Friday. What I forgot to say, rising star in the yeah. music business. Kelvin, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys. Hey, I, I got to come out for one of those first Fridays too because I come out to LA like th three times every quarter. So I got to make sure I come in on the Thursday so I can be there on the Friday. Okay, You'll be there on Friday. And when you close it, I want you to close it. I used to close out my mornings on the Steve Harvey Morning Show where you say, "Man, if you can trust God, you can believe that and take that to the bank." There you go, brother. Thank you very I'm much. I, you, I'm gonna call you up on the stage. I want that. <laughs> and I will do that for you. All right. All right. Yes, everybody, I understand. This is my man Kelvin Truitt. He's a beast. He's a young man changing lives, being an entrepreneur on Money Making Conversation. If you want to listen to this interview or see this interview on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am the host. You've been listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. Please join us next week. And always remember, lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, Rashawn McDonald for Money Making Conversation with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week I sat down with Carlos King, the super reality TV producer of Kingdom Reigns, about his hit TV show, Love and Marriage Huntsville. I asked him, what is his magic producing sauce that's creating all these hit reality shows? His answer is The main thing that I did 
that a lot of other reality producers don't do is I ask permission. I said, because you're telling me this is what you're going through, are you comfortable sharing that on camera? My job is to follow the real. If the entire town knows about this infidelity, Mm -hmm. and you're on TV pretending you're in a great marriage, you are going to lose in the end because they want to see authenticity. If you want to listen to this full interview with Carlos King, it's available on moneymakingconversation.com. In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Did you know Amazon provides ways of working that fit your lifestyle? They know you value your time outside of work, juggling family, school, friends, or other activities. That's why they offer a variety of shifts that work for you. There are full-time, part-time, and even temporary opportunities that can work with your schedule with great starting pay and sign-on bonuses. If you want a career that fits and adapts to your lifestyle, head to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is a proud equal opportunity employer. The Black Effect Presents features honest conversations and exclusive interviews. A space for artists, everyday people, and listeners to amplify, elevate, and empower black voices with great conversations. Make sure to listen to the Black Effect Presents podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.